You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. All right. Hello. <laughs> there we go. We're muted. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Saturday, everyone. Happy Saturday. Cheerios, cheerios. How's life going? <laughs> Doug making that Monerotopia coffee, probably. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. We need it. We need it today. Another oh, yes. another another big Friday night, another big meal. Yes. Very good. He's a chef. He's a chef, guys. Not gonna lie. You made delicious veal parm. Veal good. parmesan, my, na- my Every- nana's recipe. I don't really- call her nana. I call her nana. <laughs> so I guess I'm not super hardcore Italian. <laughs> I'm definitely yeah. not hardcore. No, you're not. Completely but- Italian on my mother's side. Sunita <laughs> doesn't think I'm Italian. Because I, well, I don't speak any Italian. <laughs> I wish I did. Yeah. No, but you're, you're Italian. You're Italian. You got the, the I can barely speak English. Lunch. Jesus. I suck at languages. <laughs> Franya's amazing though. Yes, she she's really good. She's got she's got the language skills. Yes, she does. Um, so what's up? What do we what do we got going on? Oh, so many, so many things. We have everybody on that's gonna that we're gonna bring up. We have a special guest today. We do. Uh like every Monero Topia episode, we bring on a guest. We've really ironed out the details of the show. So every show we're gonna have Small talk, which is what's happening happening right right now, now. guys. I hope you're loving it. (laughs) Then we're going to do price report. Yes. Is our price report guy on deck? Yes, 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 yes. yes. Then we're going to bring up our special guest. Uh, This week, it's what's her name? Elizabeth. And she's going to talk about XMR to Ethereum or Ethereum to XMR atomic swaps. She came out of nowhere, as far as I could tell. I don't know. We'll bring her on. Maybe she's been doing other stuff in the Monero community, but she already built this and it's on its way. But we'll get into that. Um, and then a new segment, quick little new segment, fast. We'll keep it short. Yes. And then we'll bring on the audience. So that's, that's when you guys get to jump in. <laughs> and when we bring you guys on, we can talk about the news. We can talk, you could ask the guest questions and whatever else you want to talk about. Oh, people are asking how your ankle is doing, Douglas. Oh, wow. People remember? Oh, they care. They care. It's doing a lot better. <laughs> so I did tear it. Did I? Did I? No, I don't think you that? talked about it. No. I got an MRI. It's torn. Um, It's not my Achilles. It's this Berevis tendon on the side of my ankle for anybody who knows tendons. <laughs> um. And yeah, they said it won't heal. Actually, it's not going to heal on its own. That I do like if I want it to heal, I would need surgery. But I might be able to just live with it. And then when, once the swelling goes down, I could just 
but I find that hard to believe because I like to I like to run, I like to exercise, I like to do. Although I did go to the gym yesterday and I uh, experiment with some some squats. So it's we're on we're on the when we're they on, say I'm no to Douglas, way. Douglas is like, "What do you mean no? Can't you prove them wrong?" Yeah, sure, good stuff. <laughs> Um. Yeah. What else? We oh, I interviewed Jack Resider. Jack this week. Yeah, interviews of of Darknet Diaries, which I'm sure probably all of you have heard because the guy has like seventy thousand subscribers or something, or much more than that. He gets he gets tons and tons of downloads. His show is amazing. It's kind of like an NPR style show. Very well well done tell he tells a story every time and every story is related to the dark net and he really gets into it but it's like really well edited and yeah did you listen to any of his episodes I've, yeah I've, i i listened to like one but... and he's had a few episodes where monero has come up by name um but i had him on he is interested in monero he hasn't stopped to really research it deeply but he's definitely intrigued, I think, especially because he sees it keep coming up in in the inter, you know, in the shows that he does. Um, so I'm hoping maybe it sparks him going down the rabbit hole. He posted a Monero donation address, so if anybody uh, does listen to his show, send him send him a little tip. I sent him a little tip yesterday. Everybody send him send him a little something. Show him a little Monero love. That send might get him a little him a, something, something. Might get him more interested. <laughs> um, like he's somebody who should really you know, pursue Monero more deeply given his understanding of, of all this, of all this stuff. Uh, and it was a good show. Um, people seem to like it. Yeah. What else would we have? Oh, Monero oh, Monero-topia. Uh, that little detail. That little, that little detail. <laughs> uh, we ironed that out. Yes, I believe we did. So we're going to do, we're going to relaunch it coming soon. Did it's going to be same web, same domain. Just oh, actually, style. I see we have Francisco on. Yes. Fr uh, Francisco's on. Francisco already, he confirmed that he will join. He he looked it over. <laughs> he confirmed he will be a, uh, a speaker, part of the uncensored, uh, I'm sorry, this the daytime version. So, curated. yeah, we're having the curated during the day. And then the anything goes at night where anybody can self-register to speak just by sending him a narrow down payment which they'll get back if they show up. Uh, but the idea is for the night session, there's no gatekeepers. So we're not responsible. Nobody's responsible. Obviously, we throw some guidelines out there. We want people to show up and talk about free speech money, um, talk about Monero. Um, but beyond that, we're not involved so that we could avoid the situation that we got ourselves in the first <laughs> go around. That pickle. Um, and then the daytime is going to be like traditional conference, which should be amazing. We already have Francisco. He's down, and yeah, we're just going to spend the next couple of weeks trying to get some Monero heavy hitters, you know, like the like the Franciscos of the world, you know, the people that are actually behind the scenes building Monero. So anybody out there um, that's listening to this, that's interested in participating in the daytime curated section that's, you know, hardcore into Monero, working on Monero, maybe you're a dev. Please reach out. We're going to be reaching out to people as well. And then we'll be posting the site soon where, you know, uh, people can sign up. Sign up to there, yeah. Themselves uh, that want to speak at night. That should be very interesting. Yeah. And we'll probably have like, we're not sure if we'll have like four 
or six slots for the yeah, evening. Yeah, we haven't figured that out yet, but and we'll release them slow instead of putting them all out at once. So like you know, so they don't all get taken at once. We'll maybe like put like one out every month or two out, and then another two. So everybody kind of has a chance to learn about it and then apply. So we'll see what we get. Should be fun. Yeah. I'm What's James saying? James always always saying something good here. <laughs> I fly to Miami, just have coffee with Arctic Mine. Yeah. And make me, oh, and let him make me feel stupid. Seriously, the guy's on, the guy's on another level. Um, but yeah, so that, that's cool. Yeah. We got that going. Yeah. You can still purchase your tickets now before uh, relaunching the new website, but. Yeah, going the same uh, please do guys. We need, we, we need the momentum. We, yeah. we, we took a hit there. We took a hit with uh the backlash from the Chris Sky thing. Debacle. So, <laughs> if you want to support and keep the keep the thing, the best thing you can do is just is just buy an early bird ticket. Yeah. Uh, so as you keeping the ticket prices as cheap as possible. Oh, you don't have the little banner going. Oh, I don't. Yeah, put the little banner up. Little banner, banner. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the next few days, we'll we'll relaunch it. We'll tweet it out. It's, I think it it all works. It works well. It will all come together. It's all coming guys. together, whether you like it or not, guys. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> we're Cheers. charging ahead. We're, we're charging, charging ahead. ahead. So, we options, so should we? I think we should jump to the price report. Yeah. So I made a little intro for it, guys. Hope you like it. Guys, uh, what's the guy's name? Who? Uh, a fungible. A, oh, a fungible. Yes. yes. Know He's online. Uh, we spoke <laughs> to him yesterday. We put a post up on Reddit. Anybody that wanted to help uh, do a price report every so week. A fungible uh, reached out. Another guy reached out too. Um, anybody else also reach out? Maybe we'll switch it up. Whoever wants to do it, because maybe we want to do it every week. So if we had a few people that could jump on, that'd be great. Yeah. So this week we got a fungible. He's gonna give it a go. So yeah, let me do my little intro, guys. Let's do it. Woo! The Maritopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat peer to peer. Woohoo! Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna add a fungible on. All right. How's it going? Hello, hello. Can you hear us? Oh, sorry. I was always on mute. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we got you. Oh, great. Nice to see you guys here. And I'm gonna share my screen. Awesome. Awesome. Get right to it. Thank you, man. Thanks Thank again. You. Yeah. Thanks again. No, my pleasure. Absolutely. Just it was doing this for the first time with this stream yard. So let me check if I can. Sure. Oh, I see. I'm add your oh, yeah. Screen. Okay. So uh, should I get going? Yes, please do. Go right. All right. Go so right. Uh, yeah, this was like a, a price report that I just made. Uh, just this is just a fundamental uh, report on what's going on in the network. So this is just uh, what I could you know find. I did a little bit of hunting down on the Google trends, on the network stats, on the project activities and the adoption that is going on. Uh, this is something that the community already knows, but I just wanted to put everything inside of one place. Uh, because all these act, all these things affect the fundamental price because the project has to keep going. And uh, this is an interesting part, which I actually found, uh, you know, around December 2017, in the beginning of 18, we had the price peak. Uh, Monero reached $540. And what you see, 100 is the 
uh, reference of where we are in terms of the public interest. And let's say, you know, the, there was a lot of retail interest that time and the price reaches peak. And today, if you fast forward, if you go down the road, May 2021 was when Monero peaked again, around $480, not exactly at the peak of 2017, but the interest was still like 25% of what it was back in 2017, which clearly shows there hasn't been the retail money in Monero as yet. However, the network has continued to strengthen and it's, it's really strong. And at this point in time, we have dropped 50% of the peaks of 480, around 250. And you can see that it's just 15% in terms of the kind of the public interest that we had global worldview, basically a snapshot. So we are consolidating around this range of 240. And uh, I, will, I will come to the price part at the end. Let me just go through what's going on in the network as well. We are, as you can see, uh, at the network hash rate has peaked. Uh, this is this is a really good thing because it has to, you know, go on either linearly or exponentially. But I think it's it's doing pretty good in terms of the network. How much uh, hash power or how much com computing power is being uh, in the network, basically uh, protecting Monero, let's say. Uh, and these are some of the key stats, which also, you know, uh, directly or indirectly affects the price part. The network hash rate year on year, that is exactly the same time in November 2020 versus in 2020, 2021. We see the network has actually grown twice, the network hash rate, the amount of power uh, protecting the network, computing power. The transactions per day have literally doubled. And this is an interesting part because somebody on Reddit had posted, I got in touch uh, with him. Uh, the the transactions on DWS beautiful part to actually find out how much of transactions are happening on the Bitcoin chain versus the Monero chain. And it's pretty interesting year on year it has. So out of every uh, 10 transactions that are happening on Bitcoin today, one transaction is happening certainly on Monero. And this can also be a bit misleading because it can also be kind of like, a, you know, false transactions uh, to kind of break the network, I suppose. But it's been quite consistent. So in a way, it's also good news because interest in Monero is actually growing. And also one of the interesting stats I see uh, with respect to price, like if you see any kind of Reddit crypto project, the number of Redditors actually is, is a kind of direct direct reflection of the price as well. So I will come to the next screen. So it's actually grown by around 60, 70,000. Uh, this is the Redditors for Monero, which have been growing steadily since 2018. And you can see like there is a slight exponential twitch to this. And I actually see the adoption actually really picking up, especially you would have heard the news on, uh, you know, Darknet, uh, the usage of Monero. That is like kind of like the, uh, you know, shady side, as some might say, but you know, that is how even Bitcoin started. And it's eventually spilled into the masses. The technology has to spill into the masses. So that's where we are at the breaking, uh, you know, point of that, I suppose. And uh, some of the activities that actually go on into 2022 uh, is like, as we know, all know, atomic swaps, Monero payment integrations is happening at a fast pace, a lot of GitHub activities. Sorry, I could not have the time to put the GitHub activities into this. 
uh, presentation, but you can see like there is a lot of uh, new activities happening in terms of C++ development. Havino project has coming up, which is based on Monero, Havin, Haven protocol, uh, the privacy wallet and X currencies. That's like a beautiful concept in my opinion. And from what, what I see uh, in the overall scheme of things, uh, after quite some digging down over the last many months, I see that Monero is actually one cycle behind Bitcoin. So Monero today is where uh, Bitcoin was in 2016, consolidating around 200, 300, $400 for a very, very long time. And there's, there was a time when, you know, it just click, you know, went up, broke that uh, upward resistance and that made into a support. So also we see a lot of YouTubers coming up in Monero mining. Uh, a while ago, I posted this on Reddit. Uh, this is like, uh, you know, like YouTubers with uh, million subscribers and stuff posting about Monero. That's also a pretty uh, bullish thing in my opinion. And also, of course, uh, public awareness, YouTube activity, Monero talk, Monero Matteo, and many more doing a wonderful job. Uh, so this is where we are in terms of price. Uh, I would say uh, in terms of, you know, people always talk about holding Bitcoin versus Monero. Uh, yes, Bit Monero hasn't been performing yet well as compared to Monero. It was earlier on in 2017, but right now it's in a very sharp consolidating uh, pattern right now, as I see. And also, but certainly holding Monero beats uh, US dollars. So it's always much, much better for a person to hold Monero against US dollars. And as you can see, for one year, you still have pretty decent returns. And finally, this is the final uh, slide of my presentation is the stock to flow model. You know, a lot of people are aware of the stock to flow model from plan B on Bitcoin. And this, you know, this can be done on uh, any asset per se, uh, just to kind of uh, give a brief on this to the viewers here. A stock to flow model is basically, uh, it, it, it depicts the abundance of a particular resource. Uh, it's, it's basically as simple as the amount of resource held in reserves, like that is with public. So amount of Monero held with people around, divided by the amount produced annually. So as the uh, as we approach 2022, around mid of 2022, when uh, you know the amount of Monero in circulation is going to go to yeah nada zero, and then tail emission is going to start, which is about if I remember correctly 0.6 x mark per block every two minutes. So that is when the scarcity really hits, and I I, I kind of see the price action over there, and this was I I, I stole this chart from MoneroEA.net. And it's actually coincides pretty well around that time when we can supposedly see a peak. So this is where we are. Basically, that is the end of my presentation. Uh, it's at a consolidation at the moment as we speak. And what I did was a fundamental covering of the of the price action. Uh, of course, technically, last week it's been going around between 220 and 260, 270 dollars. I think it's going to stay this way for a while until it breaks the resistance of uh, $320. And if we are in a position to breach $320, I, I don't see any kind of resistance upward until the previous all-time highs, which was around, uh, yeah, which was around $500 odd dollars. And once we break past that, I mean, I think we can go wild.
right. uh, yes, that's all from my side. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, wasn't expecting uh, so much detail. I, I like that you gave all, all the positives unrelated to price in the beginning, which obviously are actually more important than the price itself. Uh, so that, that was good that you covered that. So anybody that was uh, tuning in got to see all that. I mean, all the metrics on Monero that count are up. Uh, transaction count being probably the most important one. Um, so that's good to see. And yeah, like you're saying, if we break through that resistance line coming up. Uh, yeah, $320 is what is actually uh, becoming kind of an annoyance to people. But I think it's just a matter of time. I think we just have to give it time. Let let it grow organically. Then yeah, we'll yeah. See what happens. Usage is going up, and the amount of Monero that's being uh, supplied to the market is is going down uh, in its most basic analysis. So, um, you know, you guys. I mean, I actually, actually, you know, it's a good thing because the the longer we stay in this range, <laughs> the better it is for Monero. I see it the other way mm-hmm. because the longer it it is in this range, it has a high potential of actually. You know, as the mass adoption is coming in and this Monero is uh, staying in this range of 200 plus, and then we can just, I don't know, it's, it's all magic. <laughs> magic can happen in the future. We don't know. But Yeah, no, I'm saying the, the amount of Monero that's being emitted is is going down with, you know, with time. Absolutely. Uh, but the usage is going up. Uh, so and also, yeah, and also... Can. Yeah, and also, I think uh, recently we heard the news of Kraken uh, UK delisting Monero. Uh, in a way, that's also bullish news, in my opinion, because uh, people who have never heard about Monero probably get to hear it for the first time. You know, something is happening. Monero is being delisted. I like that. You're uh, an optimist. Same here. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we, we have to give like it... Bitcoin maxis. All, all news <laughs> is good news, right? Like, oh, well, I, no, I... I, I, I 100 agree with you yeah but i think there's a buffer period between now and 2022 mid i think we have to give it like six to eight months i think irrespective of uh, where this uh, market goes into and i also have a feeling that at the end of the bull run that's just my feeling that at the end of bull run morito can become something all right because man. you know money can come into that 100 yes. percent. well I'm gonna cut you off only yeah, because sure. we want to we want to keep this segment relatively yeah. short and uh, hope to have you on again and we'll 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 keep doing this and whoever else wants to come on and, and do a price report please reach out yeah absolutely uh, thank you so much thank you so much man stay please yeah. uh, stay around I will be staying tuned on the show anyways but yes I will awesome. stop okay. uh, cool. so that that concludes the price report section it was yes. a very uh, that that was a good analysis because he went he went way beyond the price and talked about the things that actually matter. Um, so thank you, thank you, Local Monero, for sponsoring our price report segment. We should we should actually quote so the the Local Monero price in USD. Well, uh, if you want to buy it online, we're looking at prices around two forty five, and for cash, we're looking at around two hundred and seventy. Uh, cash has comes with the premium, guys. If you want to use Local Monero uh, to buy. Monero with cash. Local Monero, as I'm sure you guys, well, if you're not aware of, you should be, is one of the the most ideal ways to acquire or sell Monero because you do it in a peer-to-peer way. And as a fungible talked about at the end there, um, you know, we we want to move away from exchanges. Um, and local Monero is something that allows us to do that. Among other things we got going on, like atomic 
swaps, which which brings us to our next guest. Uh, yes. And I will see. The Narratopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. Woo! All right. All We'll bring uh, Elizabeth on. Hello, hello. Welcome. Hey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank, of course. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. So... What's your story? Have you been in Monero, in the Monero world for quite some time? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've sort of been a Monero follower fan for a while. Um, yeah, I guess it started um, back in 2017, I believe. Um, I worked on a project um, bringing, I was thinking about um, bringing privacy to Ethereum um, using ring signatures as like, as we all know, Ethereum doesn't really have any privacy. Um, at the time, this was before like zero knowledge stuff really took off. Um, so I was thinking ring signatures sounds pretty cool. Um, so I got into the um, ring CT paper, like the original um, Monero, like kind of tech paper. Um, didn't go implementation of it, um, tried to put it into Go Ethereum. The project didn't really take off anywhere. Um, I think because the zero knowledge stuff really got, um, yeah, really got big around after then. So yeah, but that was kind of my intro into the tech, and I was just, I really liked it. It was just like really, it was simple. Like it was like really, really just nice. Um, and then yeah, and then since then, sort of just followed Monero, but didn't really do any like dev work or anything. Um, and then earlier this year, followed the Reddit. Um, and yeah, I just saw all the hype on the atomic swaps and I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, so I just kind of been lurking around <laughs> for a while, but yeah, well, it's a, this is, this is, this is the bullish indicator, you know, people <laughs> like you that are working behind the scenes that are just motivated to start doing things for Monero, start building tech for it. Uh, this is more important than anything else. Uh, had, the fact that the Monero project attracts. I don't know. Is it fair to call you a, a cypherpunk? Or <laughs> yeah, cypherpunks yeah. like yourself uh, that come out to work. I mean, you you started, you built this thing already, right? You built the prototype. Is that fair to say? Um. Yeah. 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 You can say that. Prototype right. You, you did it without even doing a CCS funding or anything. You just went went about it and you did it, which is amazing. So, what actually motivated you then to to take that step and do it? Why Why did you uh, decide to work on this project, the, the Ethereum to XMR swaps? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess, uh, yeah, so I saw the um, Bitcoin XMR atomic swap posts um, like earlier this year, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I read like the paper and everything, really liked it. Um, and then, yeah, and then around a month ago, there was an Ethereum hackathon in Lisbon um, called ETH Lisbon, and I, um, yeah, I attended. I wanted to build something out. Um, I was really thinking about like what I could do. Um, and then I thought about doing the ETH Monero atomic swaps. Um, and yeah, just on a quick search, saw that no one else had really implemented it yet. And I thought it was just like something that would be really, really useful. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like my motivating factor um, to like really start building it with this hackathon. But yeah, I was thinking about it for a while. And then after the hackathon, obviously I wanted to continue the project. So yeah, here I am. 
No, I'll ask you a few other questions that are more detailed, but I'm not sure if I'll even understand the answers. <laughs> um, but on a technical level, so we, we've seen now atomic swaps between Bitcoin and Monero. Uh, there's the Farcaster implementation and the Comet implementation. How, you know, is what you've done similar in, in terms of fundamental technology, like what's taking place underneath the hood, or is it a completely different animal, the, the swap between Monero and XMR versus Bitcoin and XMR? Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say it's pretty different. Um, definitely, I think that ETH XMR is a lot more simple um, because we have the smart contracting functionality, which deals with a lot of like the heavy lifting, I guess, that in the Bitcoin Monero atomic swap, you would have to deal with um, using like adapter signatures, for example, um, like we, yeah, like the ETH one doesn't have that. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a lot more straightforward. Like a lot of it happens in a smart contract. And is it currently only one way? Uh, no, it can go both ways. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, how does, how does, how does that work? Cause I know that was, a, that was a limitation with, with the Bitcoin to Monero atomic swap wasn't as easy to, to go both ways. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I don't know if I ent entirely understand the reason it can't go both ways, but from what I read, it was because on Monero, you can't do transaction pre-signing. Like you can't, for example, like sign a transaction um, that builds off another transaction because obviously it's like private, like the transactions are not like visible as they are on Bitcoin. Um, so I think that was the reason, if I understand it correctly, that um, you could only have one way for the Bitcoin Monero ones. but um yeah the ETH um the ETH Monero swap doesn't require any sort of like transaction pre-signing or anything like that so um yeah so it didn't really have that limitation very cool very cool so what stage is it currently at what stage is it currently at yeah for sure yeah so there's um a simple POC working um so the POC right now it has um a networking layer so this is for peers to yeah so what just to, yeah, so with the background, like I'm imagining that it's going to be like a sort of peer-to-peer -peer system that people can just run this daemon um, on their machine and then connect to the network. And then if they wish to do a swap, they can call into the daemon um, to discover peers that they can swap with. Um, so yeah, so right now there is a networking layer that you can discover peers who provide um, a certain coin. Um, there is a Monero like backend that interacts with a Monero daemon and RPC server um, running on your machine, um, or just wherever. Um, there's an ETH backend in the swap as well. We're, here, we're hearing some yeah, noise. We're hearing, we're hearing some, some noise. noise. Oh, some noise? Keyboard or something. Just because I don't want people to not be able to. Oh, hear it. okay. Um, is it better now? <laughs> are, are you literally coding as we speak? Are you literally? <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, yeah, is it better? I might have been like breathing. I think we're just <laughs> slowing her down. We should just let you get back to work. Oh my <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I can change my mic, so I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry if there's noise. Oh, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah, sorry. So there is the ETH, um, ETH backend, and then there's the actual swap protocol implementation. So this, um, so this step basically is there's some messages passed between two peers. Um, which the networking layer takes care of. And there's also some contract interactions, which the ETH side takes care of. And then um, on the Monero side, there's the, basically you just generate a wallet at the end um, that has the Monero in it that was locked. So yeah, so that's kind of where it is. And then, yeah, you can run it on your computer, try it out on like local, local uh, like DevNet, like Ganache or um, the 
Monero Rudge test um, option. Yeah, so I've tried it out, works on Linux. I don't know about other machines. <laughs> I assume it probably works on Mac, but haven't tried it. So yeah, that's where it's at. Amazing. How long? So how long, somebody asked, how yeah. long did it take you to get to this point, to building? Um, yeah, so I've been working on it for around a, a month, I'd say now, maybe slightly over a month. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's not yeah. too Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot more than I can get done in a month. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Now I saw you put up a bounty. Sunid, you wanna I, I think I sent you the link. Yeah. Let's let's uh screen share that. Um you posted that bounty, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and you wanna quickly describe what you're looking for there? Like what's the bounty uh what's the bounty for? What we're trying to Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, so yeah, after I posted on Reddit, there was a lot of um, support that came out, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, some people sort of suggested that I post a bounty for it. Um, and I thought, yeah, sure, why not? So the bounty is essentially to keep building out the implementation um, up until the point where a live net swap um, can be executed. Um, so the bounty is, I guess the payout is for um, a live net swap. Um, yeah, I think at the point where the bounty's done, um like the it'll basically just prove that this does really work on a real network um but i think there will still be work afterwards for like the ui and like wallet integration and that kind of thing mm -hmm. um yeah but the bounty yeah so the main thing is the main net swap um and then the few other things are there are just like increased testing and like failure um like case failure testing um in cases in case something goes wrong um like a little cli for people and then docs um, yeah, so I think that's basically it. Yes, yeah, so anybody watching, we encourage you. Can you even put the, I, you can copy and paste the, the donation address. Oh, oh the, well, that's fine. Put the bounty there. Yeah, uh, anybody who's watching this, like, oh man, I, I hope this gets done sooner than later, uh, contribute <laughs> to the bounty. Uh, I'm sure the larger that, that prize gets, um, the more enthusiasm will be behind finishing this thing and getting it to that stage. So are you going to be participating in that as well, trying to um, achieve the bounty as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. This is, uh, this is great, this is great to see. So are there other things in Monero that you're interested in potentially working on or, or is it always, are you always thinking ETH related or what are some other things that uh, you, you might wanna work on? Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like um, I've been working in the blockchain space for a few years now as like a mostly protocol level engineer. So I think, um, yeah, potentially in the future, like I'd love to contribute to the protocol, um, like the yeah, like any yeah, just updating the client, like anything like that. Um, I might have to improve my C plus plus a little, but <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to contribute to yeah the the protocol in the end. Awesome. Yeah um all right that's i'm satisfied yes <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want to bring up you want to mention elizabeth um no that's basically it yeah i just want to say like thank you so much for the support i received from you guys and just like everyone it's been really awesome to see <laughs> yeah yeah i mean people are people are very excited how how much do you anticipate this being used once it's fully built out um I'm I'm not really a big ETH guy, but what what's your kind of what's your feel there? Do you think there's going to be a lot of demand for it? Um, yeah, I'm not totally sure. Like, I think, I mean, ETH is pretty much the second biggest blockchain, so the Bitcoin XMR swap is 
pretty popular, I believe. Um, so I think the ETH one will probably be hopefully at that level, but I'm not totally sure, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's there's one thing that Monero is really lacking. It's the ability to participate kind of in uh, DeFi type stuff. So mm -hmm. make it easy for people to do that, right? Theoretically, because yeah. they'll just move over to Ethereum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it'll just be, yeah, kind of really help people to, to swap between the two chains and just, yeah, interact with both. Awesome, awesome. How about with the fees? We always hear about how high uh, Ethereum fees are. Um, can you give us any insight into that? I don't really follow Ethereum too much. Is that kind of a temporary issue? Is what What's going on with that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so definitely there's been a lot of um, questions about the gas fees. And yeah, definitely they are high. <laughs> um, yeah, like the fees are yeah extremely high at the moment. Um, I think to deploy the contract, I calculated the other day was like, like a million gas. So it was like $300 or something to deploy, which is honestly, yeah, just ridiculous. So um, yeah, there's a few optimizations that I have in mind. Um, the first is just to deploy it on layer two um, so that there's this reduced gas. Um, then the other is there's contract optimizations we can do. Like ideally the contract will become like a factory contract. So we won't have to deploy it every time. Um, like I'll just deploy like one instance of it and then people will just be able to call that and it will hopefully be less expensive. Um, so yeah. Definitely don't want it to be that expensive for people in the end, because um, that's just way too much. Right. So there's uh, solutions being worked on with that, right? Is that, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. well, we actually used Ethereum for the, when we used MetaMask to get our unstoppable domain, and yeah, it ended up costing a lot of money. Yeah, like, we were like, what? <laughs> they're like, here's your because they gave us a domain, and like they're like, all you have to do is go on MetaMask and whatever, and like. Yeah, the fees ended up being very high. Yeah, I forget how much it was, yeah. but I remember us gasping. I was like, whoa. Like, what? <laughs> that was like when I was first like, oh, wow, they weren't kidding. Fees are, fees are high in Ethereum. Oh, my God. Um, all right. Uh, oh, any any potential interest in going down to Monerotopia? Are you going to be going down to Miami at all for like the Bitcoin stuff or anything? Oh, um, yeah, I haven't really thought about it, but that might be cool. Ooh, I don't think I'm doing it. Yeah, please do. We'll be, we'll be hitting you up. We're going to yeah. be hounding you down. We're going to try to get you to come down. <laughs> well, hey, maybe, you'll want to do, maybe you'll want to do a talk. Maybe yeah. Talk. Oh, no, no pressure. We won't put you on the spot here, but that, that would be amazing. <laughs> cool. Yeah, definitely. I'll consider it. Yeah. Vic says <laughs> has poly now, so, so gas fees are close to zero. Okay. Well, I guess we did that pre-poly uh, pre or we did it wrong at the time. <laughs> um that was our first time so. <laughs> yes that was like two months ago i don't know uh, um all right let's uh so what do we got next we got we got the news segment. oh let's jump in the news elizabeth if you could stick around can you stick around a little bit yeah for sure awesome because right, awesome. then we'll we'll bring up other people from the community and we could all chat together awesome. let's uh quickly run through the news, the news. My oh, wait, hold on. I got to hold on, hold on. Yeah. And now for our weekly news segment. <laughs> wait, was that laugh part of the... No, I don't know. That was me. No, but I don't think that went live. <laughs> I think it was. Okay. All uh, right. You want to bring up the, sure. the links? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to share my screen, guys. Share, share, share. What do we got? What do we got? I don't even know what's coming up. What do we got? We got this link. Cryptocurrencies could 
destabilized nation states says Hillary Clinton. Clinton. All right, I don't know if anybody caught that. Um, yeah, yeah, Hillary. That's <laughs> yeah, Hillary. <laughs> you know, it's it sounds bad when you say it when you put it that way, but that's kind of what the intent of crypto is not de to destabilize, but to diffuse some of the power that they have uh, and give the power back to the people. So, yeah, crypto is working according to Hillary Clinton. What's uh, what else we got? We got, I got to share it individually, I guess. So it's not like, oh, we got to share. Wow. Yeah, I have to do it like individually. Okay, next time I will bring, yeah. bring them all up beforehand. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Uh, next one is Kraken to delist Monero. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll talk about this, guys, when we, when we bring everybody up. You know, we we all knew these types of things were bound to happen. We've seen it happen before. Um, why they're doing it, we don't really know. Uh, there's no reason that we know of as to why Monero can't be listed on exchanges. We had that Perkins Coey paper. Um, Monero doesn't violate anything that any other crypto does. I mean, there's no reason why exchanges can't list Monero. I guess the idea is here, or what, what they're saying is that uh, Kraken's banking partner, I guess, forced them to, to delist it because uh, they see Monero as a risk. Um, but we got Arctic mine, I think, and Ar Arctic, uh, explains it really well as to why, you know, if anything, perhaps there's less risk with Monero in terms of the regulations that need to be followed. Uh, but it's unfortunate we're seeing this. I don't know. I don't know if we've peaked now in, in the amount of exchanges that are going to be list and we'll start to see exchanges adding Monero. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, what we do know is ultimately none of it really matters, uh, cause the, true way to use crypto and Monero in particular is peer to peer. So Monero is just under the gun. It always has been. And it's just forcing us to evolve faster than other cryptos in that regard to being truly decentralized. Hence, we have people like Elizabeth coming out of nowhere, building uh, Ethereum to Monero atomic swaps. And these things are getting done out of necessity, out of need. Uh, they're not just purely experimental. It's because the community is being forced to figure out how to essentially stay alive and uh, be able to uh, interact with other chains without having to go through centralized systems. And the bridges have been built. Uh, they're really small at this point and they're simple, but they're built. We know they, and, and we know they're just going to get larger and there's going to be more of them. Uh, it's not just going to be atomic swaps. There's going to be, you know, things like Thorchain. I mean, there's a ton of solutions coming down the pipe. So while this sounds like, sad news on the face uh like a fungible said um perhaps it's actually good news <laughs> what else we got we got did it change it why monero could be better than bitcoin and that was the motley fool so that was kind of cool because I, I think they're big if can you click on their video uh, um, yes i think so. yeah open up their that click click there uh they have like tons of subscribers but they did a video on monero what i don't get though is they have scroll down how many subscribers they have like if you can see on their channel i don't know it's like hundreds of thousands of subscribers but that video only got a few hundred views which is really weird and when you search their youtube channel 
and you like sort by video. I don't even see it in their video. So it's kind of weird. Um, but their video was good and they highlighted, you know, it wasn't one of these discussions of Monero where they didn't know what they were talking about. They highlighted the important factors. Uh, they kind of quoted the Daniel Kim line that uh, Monero is what Bitcoin noobs thought they bought. Um, uh, they talked about the fact that it's fungible and private. Um, and yeah, encouraging to see that kind of going mainstream in a way. And these are people that are talking about investments. They're talking about from an investment standpoint. Um, I think they, they also highlighted some other, oh, I think they highlighted the tail emission as well. Uh, I don't think they highlighted, I don't think they spoke about dynamic block sizes, but they got into some of the other aspects of Monero, which was nice to see too. And they saw this as advantages in comparison to Bitcoin. Yeah, they talked about the tail emission and how that's going to allow miners to continue to mine and secure the network. Like you don't really often hear other than us talking about it all the time, but outside of the Monero community. So that's encouraging to see. Like people are getting it. Obviously, the privacy and the fungibility aspects. And then, you know, the old, the old line, well, uh, you know, maybe Bitcoin will be the store of value and Monero will be the transactional currency, which is kind of ironic because they're literally saying it's a good investment. So that means it's going to be a good store of value. Like this, this whole thing of Bitcoin being the store of value and Monero being like, I get it. That's like what we're trying to do to, to trick the Bitcoiners. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's okay, guys. We could, I think we could be okay with the fact that Monero, uh, can also be a store of value. And there's arguments as to why it potentially, I don't know, could match Bitcoin's ability to store value, uh, seeing that it has the, it's the same, you know, same basic technology. And if anything, uh, it has some features that might allow it to store value even better, um, that it could act like digital gold because it's actually fungible. Gold is fungible. Um, but we don't need to repeat that over and over, <laughs> over, again. And over again. But we could talk about that when everybody's up because I am, I'm, I'm kind of like, it's okay. I think the Monero community or those that want to can speak out and say, yes, Monero can be used as a store of value too. Uh, not saying we all have, you know, say what, say what you believe, uh, but that's what I believe. And uh, I'm not intimidated by the Bitcoiners who say otherwise. And anybody else who has that on, on their mind and thinks so, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to, to say those things if you truly believe it. Um, was that it? Did we no, have, yeah, one more link? Okay. Oh, the this Slate one. article, Ooh. the Slate article. They really, this guy really, uh, what's this guy's name? I can't read. Uh, Jake Dean. Jake Dean. I actually found him. Somebody found him, um, messaged me and I hit him up on Twitter. I was trying to get him on Monero talk. Uh, he didn't respond. Um, but he <laughs> <still> really, <laughs> he really took a bashing to Monero. He explained once again, he, he got a lot of the, the technicals correct, which is cool to see. He went into he even talked about Bitcoin to Monero atomic swaps. So like the news is out there. This is amazing that uh, people are talking about Monero in this way. Uh, it's unfortunate that they're talking about all the the negative use cases that you know Monero comes with, uh, and kind of casting Monero as a tool for nefarious things. And kind of drawing the conclusion like, oh, well, uh, you know, Monero can be used for, for good and bad, but uh, since it can be used for so much bad, we, we should be very cautious of it. And kind of in, in comparing it to encryption as they say that, which I think is quite, quite ridiculous. Um, 
because we all think encryption overall is a good thing, right? It's yes, could it be, you know, people can use it for good and bad, but it's a tool that we want. Um, so yeah, it got a lot of uh, people. I've, even when I retweeted, I tweeted the article. People were like, why'd you do that? Don't give it attention. I think it's fine, man. The, the word is out. Let people read it. And those that are smart enough will read between the lines. Uh, people are saying, but you shouldn't have given it uh, clicks or whatever. Whatever. Give it clicks. Give it engagement. And nobody reads them. Justin's comment on the article got more engagement than the actual article. There you go. Um, and yeah, even if they do, it's good. I mean, this is how this is how I learned about Bitcoin. I didn't learn about it by reading some article saying how Bitcoin was the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> I read an article saying like, there's this thing, nobody knows what it is, and it's being used on the dark market. And I was like, that's interesting. You know, and they're like, oh, we, you know, we may, we, what are we going to do? We're going to have to regulate. We're going to have to get rid of it. Interesting. Why are they trying to do that? So sure, if you're not a, a a deep thinker and you read this yeah but i don't know i don't know if we're really looking for those people right now let's look for you know let's get the people on board that are going to take the time to look at this read between the lines and then do their research and realize why monero is being adopted for these nefarious purposes it's because it works for its intended purpose all right i think that includes think the it, yeah. news segment Ooh. uh want to bring everybody up sure here we go, guys. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. <laughs> These segments. I mean, we need more segments because the segments are the best part. These segment intros. All right, we got Francisco up. All right. Hello. hello. Got people coming up. All right. Hello, hello, Elias. Elias, how's it going? Still up. Elizabeth's okay. still on, and I'll put the link for anyone else that wants to join. Let's uh, let's jump to Francisco. Hello, Francisco. How do Arctic you do? Mime. Hello. How's it going? So, go ahead. You want to you want to you want to say something? No, I'm doing good. I mean, no, I've just been very busy uh, uh, with uh, some of the policy work and also with. Um, the kind of well, the, the the scaling work is pretty much done, but there's a lot of follow up, but uh, commentary and so on that's going on. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. What do you think of the the crack and delisting in in Europe? Um, I would say that what happened in the UK is the same as what happened in Australia. It's a very similar pattern to what happened in South Korea, and to what happened in Japan. And the behind-the-scenes players in all of this are the blockchain surveillance companies or chain analytics companies. And they are the ones that are behind the scenes pushing this kind of stuff. That's why you see a situation where if you actually read the regulations, there's nothing in the regulation that says that Monero can't be used. What if Monero breaks is not anti-money laundering or counter-terror financing. That's not what Monero breaks. Monero breaks what I would call surveillance theater, or basically the business models of the chain analysis companies. And that's the problem. This is why we're seeing these pressures on exchanges. And I think there's a, I think we need to recognize what the real threat is. Um, and it's a lot more serious than people realize. It's not the government per se. It's not the regulators, not even the Financial Action Tax Force. It's the behind the scenes lobbying 
against Monero by these companies because, quite honestly, if Monero were to flip Bitcoin, these guys would go out of business. That's a very amazing way to put it. So you think they literally, they, they're, they're the ones putting the pressure on, on the banks? Well, absolutely. Uh, and typically what happened, what happened in Australia, and I haven't really looked into the UK situation. I'm in Australia. They went after uh, uh, a mid uh, a mid payer. So a payment processor, those, those handling payments between the exchanges and the banks. That's what happened in Australia. And, and you could see that there was an actual deal made between Chainalysis and a bunch of these intermediaries. And then like three weeks later, Monero got this. So, so yeah. So That's what, what I've been in Australia. Yep, yep, yep. So I guess the only the only way this is going to change, like I said, if we care that it changes, right? Because I don't know, we're trying to move away from exchanges. But let's say we do because we want more liquidity. We want people to be able to easily access Monero. How do we help bring about that change? How do we kind of fight against this narrative? What's going on? Is it just that it needs to get to the point where banks does it be just basically just a money issue at the end of the day where banks make a decision and like all right we don't want to delist because we're making more money exchanges are making more money when they have monero listed like doesn't that kick in at some point where they're going well, to keep monero because it's they make money I, off I, I think i think the problem there's a different strategy i, I i've looked at this when i particularly on the policy group and I'll give you an example. I mean, the Financial Action Task Force uh, released guidance and just in the last, I think it was the last couple of weeks. And what they said in this guidance is that uh, chain analysis of blockchain surveillance, I could call it blockchain surveillance, because that's really what it is, actually doesn't work. They implied it. I mean, they basically said that they went out and they got statistics from a, a whole different set of chain analysis companies to get average numbers on what was the prevalence of money laundering on various on blockchains and the average numbers, and we're talking averaging you know, tens of millions of transactions here, the average numbers were totally all over the place. So basically, if they can't even get the averages right on a chain like Bitcoin, for example, and I'm talking averages over tens of millions of transactions, how on earth can they even get individual transactions right? So the first um, uh, narrative is this stuff doesn't work on Bitcoin. It certainly doesn't work on Ethereum. I mean, just the growth in transaction numbers. And this is the, the key narrative that, that I think it needs to be put out. Because what they're literally, I, don't, I mean, I go as far as saying that some of these people are basically taking the regulators for a ride. Uh, because basically they're telling them we can do this and they can't really do it. We can detect dirty money on the Bitcoin blockchain. And when it comes to individual transactions and in particular leaving exchanges, I don't believe they can do it with any level of reliability. So this is part of the problem. Along comes Monero and kind of makes the, the, the reality obvious by just making it totally impossible. And so it's kind of like shooting the messenger in many ways. They'd rather shoot the messenger than accept that they'd be duped. I mean, to, to many degrees, I mean, we could argue that the regulators have been duped. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very hard line on this issue. Uh, and I think the evidence is coming along that these guys have serious problems. They're gonna they're charging all this money for this, and they're gonna say, "Okay, what? You know, deliver the goods." And and I'm not talking Bitcoin. I'm not talking Monero here. I'm talking Bitcoin. And I think this is where the problem is. Um, I personally think it's we should have a mix of exchanges and decentralized systems, and and the more variety, the better. I mean, the people that want to use. Uh, 
uh, AMLKYC exchanges. And quite realistically, if it weren't for this nonsense of this blockchain surveillance, uh, Monero will work really well in that environment because you have the privacy on the, on the blockchain after you withdraw from an exchange, just like going to a bank and withdrawing cash. It's no different. Yeah, it's the, it's the most ideal crypto to buy on an exchange, if you think of it along those lines, right? It's like if you're, if you're trying to get into crypto uh, and, you know, you're not going to be using these decentralized means, you want to you kind of use your traditional centralized exchange. The best way to do it, in my opinion, would be cash, fiat, whatever, <laughs> your bank connected, you buy you buy Monero and then you pull it off the exchange. And then from there, you can go out into crypto world. Uh, that's probably the, the the best way to do it without. without Absolutely, it. I mean, I, so the idea would be you buy Monero for fiat, and then you want to buy Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or something. Right, right. I mean, so that's that's what I'm saying. But the 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 problem here is is that you've got this narrative that you can engage in this surveillance on the on the blockchains and somehow provide reliable data to regulators and to uh, law enforcement and and, and a, on on a broad based scale. Not on some very specific targeted investigation. Yes, maybe that can work. But I'm talking about on a broad base, anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism, finance and scale. This stuff simply does not work. And the onus has to be on the companies that are selling this to prove that it works because they're the ones that are charging the money. As opposed to, to everybody else who's saying, you know, people have been accused or could be falsely accused of very serious crimes here. Yeah, and then on the, the other problem is like, and then, then they're also... Um reaching out to the regulators and governments and lobbying them i imagine right so that laws are passed that will continue to benefit the these tracing companies absolutely this is exactly the problem and this is one of the things that i have seen for example for us in the monero policy group we had to actually fight this and provide a different narrative i say wait a minute you know you're uh uh, you know, you're not getting real data here and put some questions. And, and to be honest, and to be fair, I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to Vincent and to the U.S. government on this because they're coming to the realization that, it, well, wait a minute, we can't really rely on this stuff. And and they, were, and they basically said uh, in, in the recent regulations, this stuff doesn't really work with it. There's all sorts of risks and so on and so forth. We have the Financial Action Task Force and the Leaders Guidance saying it may work. So I think there's been considerable progress, definitely in the last year. And quite honestly, I think we're having an impact, if I was to be honest about this. Uh, coupled with the realization, say, wait a minute, take a look at this stuff. Does it really work? Get your own data. Do your own research on this. Don't. I mean, I'm not saying just listen to us. I'm saying do your own research. Figure out, does this stuff really give you reliable information that you can act upon for the, for the law enforcement objectives? Because basically, in my opinion, they don't. There's a lot of questions. That's that's the bottom line. One, in one the meantime, we're going to the crossfire. Yep. One more question. That I'm going to let everybody else jump into. Yeah. Um, do you think we're going to see more of this? Uh, I mean, will we see cracking in the United States potentially moving in this direction? Do you have any opinion there? I don't want. I don't have advice. I mean, I think it's a risk uh, because basically. If they want to keep this narrative of blockchain surveillance as an anti-money laundering tool, Monero is, is public enemy number one. And that's the reality. If you accept the fact we're going to treat cryptocurrency as cash and we're going to adapt or I'm going to deal from a money laundering perspective and terrorist finance perspective the same as for cash, then, of course, you don't have a problem. Monero is actually safer than the other ones. 
So the issue here is you want to push this narrative that you could do blockchain surveillance to fight uh, money laundering, then yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fight on our hands. But what we have on our side, and this is what I would say, is that the, the stuff doesn't really work on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that narrative hasn't really got through to the regulators, to the exchanges, and to and to bodies like a financial action task force. Right, right, right. Uh, and that's the thing, the problem. Yep. All right. That that all makes sense. Uh, let's let's jump around. Let's jump around here to other people. Uh, Elias. Elias. Hi. Welcome. Hi. Uh, do you hear me? Yes. yes, we can hear you. Thank you for coming on. All right. How's great. it going? Uh, it's going good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having this. It's really a great thing that you, uh, anyone can uh, jump in like this. Uh, yeah, we, we try to keep it as open as possible. As long yes, as uh, as long as you're not spamming and you're you're, you're somewhat on topic, <laughs> you're you're welcome to stay on in stage. The, in the spirit of free speech, right? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I, I sent you an email. Uh, did you get that? Oh, yeah, okay. Like, yes. Uh, a couple of nights, I, I was sitting up late at night and I wrote all yes, these things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Very yes, long email. Yeah, very long email. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I'm not going to recite this long email, but but I, I was thinking I could bring up this quickly. Uh, sure. A couple yes. of those things. It's okay. Do. Yeah. So uh, the first thing I've been thinking, um, well, maybe I should just quickly explain that for, for me, I'm I'm very interested in uh, in this. Uh, topic of what Monero is and so on uh, from a sort of principal perspective. I, I didn't buy any cryptocurrencies or anything, but I see it as an important part of uh, uh, movement for a decentralized internet and uh, to have freedom uh, from surveillance and so on, because that's a huge problem in society now and it's getting worse. Uh, so therefore, I think it's very important. And then when I'm seeing how it works, and and how um, how you guys uh, talk about things and so on. Then there's one thing that I I want to ask you about, and perhaps I well I have an opinion about it, and I uh, I would like to hear what you say about it. And and that is that uh, I think that uh, uh, people working uh, around Monero should try to be more aware of uh, sort of the the larger movement of around free software and uh, censorship resistance and so on. For example, you use you, uh, you use YouTube, Google a lot. You use Twitter. These things can sh be shut down easily, right? So you're you're relying on uh, single uh, central sources for your communication. Yeah. So I, I I really think that you should uh, embrace the alternatives that exist, and and try to show that they exist. I, I understand that you feel, of course, you want to reach a lot of people, and that brings you onto those platforms. That's how it always is. Yeah. But you can at least try to show what exists. Uh, you see my point? Yes, yes I, I yes. couldn't agree with you more. Um, we could do a better job at that, pointing out the other other tech. I mean, we yeah, use yeah, these yeah. technologies for the reason you said, because we want to get out to people beyond the Monero community, right? So these people that aren't aware of these things, and the only way to get to them is through their traditional platforms. platforms. Uh, we also use what we use, uh, library. Yeah, live Odyssey. So we, all, all our YouTube videos also simultaneously stream, stream, stream on. on Odyssey ah, and are saved there as well. Yes, yes, yes. But look at me. I wasn't even aware. 
So you should say that uh, yes. Yes. so, so yes. that people can find it because because I uh, I don't want to go on YouTube. I, I've been listening to you as a podcast, so I just uh, so that's that. It's great that you have it in that way as well. Yet automatically mm. streams it there. I don't know mm. if it's streaming there live now. I'm assuming, but it automatically it, posts it yeah, there. At it least. automatically posts. But yeah, we it should uh, make that more obvious. I think we say it. Yeah, we say about. it on on Twitter, I guess, and on uh, Reddit. Actually, I post the link on Reddit too. But I give everyone your, the option. Your general point is very good. Uh, we could do a better job at at least letting people know that you We're know there's flaws here with these tools, um, and they're contradictory to what we stand for, which is why we're so big into into Monero. But I will say too, like so, you know, we're very much we're noobish in yeah. in, in, in a lot of ways, right? So we love Monero. We love crypto. And what's so great about Monero is you can be a noob and you can completely benefit from it. It's very easy to benefit from what it offers, right? Because it's private by default. As long as you do simple things like hold your own keys and, you know, use a self-hosted wallet, you're pretty good to go. Uh, now, do I have terrible OPSEC otherwise? 100%. I mean, I'm out here talking about Monero every day. Like, it's, that's all shot. But what's so amazing about Monero is I could be that person, right? I could be this guy with horrible OPSEC. I'm out here. I'm basically like a public figure. I'm using Google. People, I don't know, know who I am, might even know where I live. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I, when I go and use my Monero, it still works like cash. So at least that element of me is protected. And I think that's awesome. That's an awesome feeling, right? I can literally be out there in the open. People know who I am, but I can privately transact. So at least I have that power over my money. But I do hear all your points and uh, we could do a better job at promoting those. There's others in the community that do an amazing job of that. Uh, Set for Privacy. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He really does a great job at pointing out all these other privacy preserving technologies. Um, and maybe we'll have him on again soon. Um, but I recommend you follow him and follow his stuff. But yeah, we could certainly learn from him. But good points, man. Can't, well, can't disagree with you. Is it all right if I bring up a second point as well? Yes, yes, yes. And then we'll uh, try to pass it around to the yeah, some uh, other sure, on stage. Sure. Uh, because this other point, I, I think it's um, it's an important one also. And it's something that I've been listening to not all of your shows, but quite a lot of them. And it's this point is missing for me. And it's at least for me, and I think for many others, is an important one. And it's this, and especially when I listen to uh, the discussion about cryptocurrencies in the society elsewhere, then this is a huge point. And a lot of people are thinking that cryptocurrencies are bad because they are bad for the climate, because the proof of work algorithm uh, leads to a huge waste of resources. So this is a big argument out there. And I haven't heard your take on it, so to speak. So I would like to hear what is what is your answer to that? And and also, especially from Elizabeth and also Arctic Mine, I guess, who knows a lot about uh, how things work technically. Uh, wh why is it so hard? Perhaps this is too big a question right now. But, but for me, the way that I think it should work is if I connect my computer to help out with the verifying transactions, then... Uh, the way it is now is that my computer will be constantly crunching numbers, right? It will use my, all my CPU power for this all the time. But what I would like is to connect to the network so that I'm available. I signal that I'm available as a resource to check transactions. 
but I only kick in, my computer is only really used crunching all those numbers when it's needed. So when there is an attack going on, then of course it's important to have a lot of compute power to, to defeat that. But what happens every day normally is that everyone is running the same, verifying the same things, and there is no contradiction anywhere. So it's a waste. At least that's, that's my, I, I, well, I have a sort of a, I think I have only a rough understanding of the proof of work thing. But anyway, I don't know if you see what I'm getting at here. Yeah, so this is brought up once in a while on the show. We talk to people about it. I haven't done a show on it, and uh, perhaps I should. I could find a good guest that can really kind of get into the weeds on, on why proof of work hey, Doug. is a necessary thing. Yeah. I, I, can, I can offer kind of a, a very simple breakdown of that. Proof of work is a competitive uh, environment, right? Proof of stake just rewards people that already have a large amount of capital or stake or percentage of the tokens. Therefore, even with all the money in the world, if you want to mine Bitcoin or want to mine Monero, you still need to put in one, the actual hardware, two, you need to put in physical work, computing work, which means that even if you had unlimited, you know, money printing abilities, you cannot just completely co-op a system if you require a certain amount of proof of work, right? So that's the idea. Proof of work is a lot more um, equal opportunity when it comes to people partaking in the system. And I believe that's honestly why a lot of large institutions do not like it. See, you're seeing the politicization of a lot of these environments where they're saying that, for example, proof of work is bad for the environment, but it is by key players that have a vested interest in proof of stake or, for example, creating their own version because they cannot compete with a lot of these proof of work, uh, you know, even with Bitcoin that's full of ASIC uh, miners and things like that, they can't just jump in and become integral in that system, right? So I think that's why proof of stake is being pushed heavily. Uh, I still think that proof of work has merit in being the most uh, honest way of initial distribution that somebody with a lot of money cannot just co-op. Yeah, and also the most great points, Crypto Baron. Also, the most permissionless way, which you kind of touched upon, especially with RandomX. So anybody with a computer anywhere uh, has has CPU power, has access to electricity, can without permission uh, start you know being a part of the network and mining Monero. Um, they don't even need money to do it, right? Um, so it's it's perhaps the most egalitarian way to allow people to participate. Uh, I also think it's, you know, it's, it's what solved the Byzantine generals problem, right? Was this proof of work is essentially what allows, uh, these, you know, uh, computers to come to a consensus on, on what's stated in a ledger. Um, so I'm not convinced that these other solutions really provide that. Arctic mind, you want to chime in there on that question? And Elizabeth, I don't know. Uh, Elizabeth, you want to sure. go? Arctic, go ahead. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different issues here. I mean, the, 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 the environmental problem question, to my mind, to a very large degree, is are, you, are we pricing energy correctly? And if we're not pricing energy correctly, we're subsidizing coal, for example, and we're subsidizing fossil fuels by not factoring in the environmental externalities, then, of course, you can shoot the messenger by saying that the proof-of-work network is bad for the environment. I mean, I know I know it sounds very simplistic, but but I will start by saying if you can profitably mine Bitcoin or Monero by burning coal, then the issue is that the tax on the carbon dioxide, i.e., what people call a carbon tax, is way too low or non-existent. 
because it's not truly pricing in the cost uh, to the planet of burning that coal. Um, the, 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 the issue you get in here with, uh, with energy is how do you generate it? And, and I would argue very strongly for solar in this, in this kind of scenario, because solar for photovoltaic, especially if you want decentralization, because you don't need electricity, you need sunlight. And so if you have access to sunlight, then you can mine your money. You don't have to get permission from anybody. And this is a bit of an issue because let's say you put a solar array up and you can access solar power. And I'm, honestly, I'm actually looking at doing this myself in my own home. And I say, well, who can I sell it to? I've got this extra renewable energy. The local utility is going to pay, pay me very little, even though I live in a metro, major metropolitan center and a major source of consumption. So I got to find somebody else who's going to buy that renewable energy from me. And actually, it turns out it's going to be the Monero network. They can pay me more than the utility will for solar panels that I put on my roof. Because if I use more power, I generate more power than I actually need. So I think the issue of, uh, that's the second one. The third one is the question of scaling. How many transactions are you processing per watt of energy that you, kilowatt hour or whatever of electricity you're producing? Now, if you've got a restricted block size, like in the case of Bitcoin, then the energy cost per transaction is sky high. If you allow the thing to scale, like in the case of Monero, then you can lower the cost per transaction in energy. So there's a whole bunch of different factors. Then you get the third one, which is kind of where my uh, handle came from, Arctic Mine, and this is, I started with this, is that you, you basically are living in minus 40 weather or something, or minus 30 weather, minus 40 C and F are the same, by the way. So Celsius or Fahrenheit, the scales meet at minus 40. Well, if you're in that kind of temperature, you want the heat from your mining is extremely valuable. If you're sitting in Texas at 108 degrees Fahrenheit or 40 degrees Celsius, the heat is a major waste product. So again, the question is, is the heat valuable or is it a waste product? Depends on where you do the mining. So there's a lot of, of, of variables in this. I mean, I think proof of work can be made environmentally uh, sound. Uh, a, by pricing energy properly, B, by using waste heat, by uh, mining in places where the heat actually has value, like for, for space heating, for example. And there's a lot of cases where electricity can be effectively used in that way. Uh, and also by using excess uh, renewable energy, particularly wind and solar, where you're going to have more at certain points in time, you're going to have excess capacity that you can literally have a, a ready waiting customer that's going to pay for that energy which otherwise is going to go to waste. I mean, you even have cases that, I mean, in Ontario, they have this problem. They are, you're running a nuclear power plant and you have excess electricity at night that you don't have anything to do with it. They have to just heat a lake to get rid of the heat. So there's markets for this type of scenario. So that's where I think proof of work could actually be compatible. Those energy it. markets, by the way, completely, I think, offer a logical alternative Sorry? I don't know what happened. I don't know. That was crypto bear, right? Yes. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ark. You wanna you wanna finish the point and then let's let's jump to Elizabeth. Well, it's, I think it's a I mean I think Kutpa was said there's a, there's another market that yeah, I think what Kutpa was trying to get at is that there are there are basically um markets out there for energy that we're not really looking at the whole picture. I mean, are we using electricity otherwise we'll go to waste or so have very little value? And I suspect that a lot of proof of work mining, that's exactly what's happening because you're going for the cheapest source of electricity everywhere. 
and that and and with renewables in particular, you're going to have a lot of electricity that is simply at the wrong place at the wrong time. And 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 having um, a market for that electricity uh, will make renewable projects such as solar and wind, in particular, economically viable. So proof of work can actually make a lot of re renewable energy viable. That'd be that kind of be the main point that I would make. Right. It's it's driving that market. Uh, it's supporting it. Yep. Elizabeth, um, you want to jump in? You have any comments on this? Especially um, coming from Ethereum, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely agree with what Art Arctic Mind said. Um, yeah, like I think um, the issue is definitely where the electricity comes from. Like if we came, if it came from renewable sources, like it's not an issue. Like if it was used for um, heating somewhere cold, like that's yeah, it's definitely like not really an issue in my opinion. Um, yeah, and like also people are saying in the comments, like there's so many other industries that use up like a lot more energy. Um, so I think it's sort of a bit of like a weak-ish argument, <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely not um, anti-proof of stake. Like I think both have their pros and cons. Um, yeah, like you said, proof of work is just lower, somewhat lower barrier to entry, like you just need the hardware. Um, but yeah, there's not all proof of stake algorithms require you to have like a ridiculous amount of um, the, the currency or the, the fuel or whatever. Um, there's some that have lower barriers to entry, like for example, the Polkadot network has um, allows people to nominate with like a lower, a pretty low amount of, um, of DOT in my opinion. Um, so yeah, it really depends on like kind of the, the algorithm. Um, but yeah, overall, I guess, pros and cons of both. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Crypto Bear, are you back with us? Hello? Crypto Bear? No, I think he's having issues. Oh, okay. With his... Yeah, uh, so if you could still hear me. Yeah. Yes, we can. Yep. Or, okay, he signed off. He's just know. delayed. I don't know. Uh, so when we still have Elizabeth with us, anybody else want to uh, chime in and maybe ask her any questions about the Ethereum to XMR swaps? Or anybody on stage want to ask a question? I know Crypto Bear probably did because yeah. this is a project. I think he was trying to spearhead at one point. Um, so unfortunately, he's he's yeah, dropped out. Uh, also, anybody else that wants to jump up on stage now would be the time. Yeah, put the link in the chat. See if anyone wants to jump on. Come on down, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> uh, we should say Arctic will be speaking at Monerotopia, right? Yeah. Is, is that is, is that yeah. fair to say? Can we can we confirm you here? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you certainly can. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Any idea what you'll be speaking about? I know. I think you said you had to wait a little bit, right, to determine. Well. Uh, from a broad sense, I'm going to be talking about scaling. I'm going to be talking about fee impacts, and I'm going to be talking about uh, some of the ramifications of coins like uh, Bitcoin. And unfortunately, one of the things about this, of course, is that uh, when you talk about uh, Monero scaling, you kind of have some not the best news for the rest, everybody else in some ways. Um, but what I recently want to hold back is until the, the hard fork is finalized, because I will be talking about some of the changes that are going into the hard fork. And some of the rationale behind it, and uh, so I was—I wanted just to make sure that's you know what are the dates for that and so on. So that was the main reason that I wanted to hold back a bit on, on, on that. But essentially, that's a broad topic I'd be looking at. 
there are a lot of other factors because, I mean, uh, as spam comes into the picture, I mean, one of the issues, of course, you get into with a, um, a, a, a censorship-resistant or censorship-preventing network, of course, is that you really have to ask the question of spam. How do you deal with spam? Because you can't censor it away. So, so that's that's an issue that I that, that I was looking at revisiting. I spoke of a bit uh, a bit of that in 2019 at at uh, Conferenco in uh, Denver, and it's I think an issue that's worth looking at again because of the fact that uh, of the changes that are happening. So awesome. that's kind of uh, the 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 frame that I'm looking at right now. Um, but like I said, like I said, I wanted just to wait until the the sort of the financiation of hard fork. Super before, excited uh, to have you as a, as a confirmed guest. Yeah, so that's basically the plan. Awesome, awesome, um, guys. Maybe we'll close it out. If uh, anybody else have on stage want to say anything, and if anybody that's not on stage now, if you want to jump on, now is your is your moment before we close it out. Elias, thanks for for coming on. And uh, any anything you want to mention before we close things out? Oh, just maybe just. To, back. Oh. Yeah, I just want to thank uh, everyone for for the answers about uh, uh, about my question there. I think it was really great, and and I still think that if you were to do a, a show on that topic, I think it would be useful because I think there are other people like me who would look for that episode. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it should be seen in the title that is about that issue, because it is. I mean, I think there are different communities, and in some, I think, large part of society, it's a really big deal, and many people are actually, in their mind, they are sure that cryptocurrency is bad for the climate, and therefore they're already decided, and they will not look into it further, you know. Yes. So I, yes. I would like to, to send them, you know, here. Here is the information for you. I, I think it'd be really good to have a show on that, and, and I also want to throw out there that there is political implications for central bank currencies also being bad for the environment. I mean, if you look at the history of war, and especially in the last 200 years, the context of most wars were heavily financed by banking systems that might have you know, funded both sides at some point. So I think that there's a lot of political push for creating this narrative that cryptocurrencies are bad for the environment. But a lot of times, the people who are driving this narrative are personally flying out in personal jets to meet with other people that flew out in personal jets whose carbon footprint is way higher than the individuals that are, you know, under target for these narratives, right? So I think that there is a lot of merit for renewable resources and things like that. And you can actually make the argument that renewable resources take away a large part of the climate uh, impact of cryptocurrencies. But at the root of it, I believe that it's a straw man argument to paint cryptocurrencies as bad for the environment because the reality are cryptocurrencies are bad for the banking system. And that's something that people cannot attack head on. So I think that being able to distance which one is which argument, I think, is important in the greater scheme of things. Because we've, you know, when I hear that the biggest, biggest proponents of what is bad for the environment uh, when it comes to cryptocurrencies or central banks, you tend to forget that, well, yeah, but are cryptocurrencies bad for central banks? And is that a vested party? You know, if I go to a gym, they're going to, you know, uh, or if I go to a, a fast food restaurant, they're not going to want me to go to a gym. Why? Because it's bad for their business, you know? Uh, so it's, I think that'd be an awesome conversation to have because there's, you know, bigger implications into the actual um, economics behind why saying something is good or bad for the environment 
might benefit those groups too. Yeah, it's an entire cost-benefit analysis, and the benefits, in my mind, far outweigh the costs. I mean, the the internet uses a lot of energy. <laughs> computers use a lot of energy. Nobody's out here saying uh, the internet and com- and computers use use too much energy, right? Because we we all it's very obvious what the benefits are. Uh, perhaps with crypto, those benefits aren't as obvious to people. I think they're obvious to everybody here. Uh, we understand the dire need for something uh, like Monero that's going to provide digital cash. Uh, but it's not as obvious to everybody. And people wonder why energy needs to be burnt to provide it. Arctic, did you have a comment? Well, yes, I did. Um, there's a lot of things that we can look at that are incredibly wasteful. I mean, one of my biggest ones that I've seen is the whole idea of throwing away perfectly good electronics. Uh, on a worldwide basis just because of of what are called DRM or technological protection measures and proprietary software. I mean, it goes back to Ellis's previous comment that if you really want to lower your carbon footprint, the first thing you should be looking at is proprietary software, uh, which is, is, is a very odd application to free software. But my uh, what I'm referring to is if you look at how much e-waste is produced. And, uh, for example, in the case of China, it's about 50% of their emissions. It's producing electronics that are then thrown thrown out in the in the West like uh, six months later. Right, and with random with random X, we overcome that issue a little bit. With we do it. We definitely Asics. We do definitely do it with Asics. But I'm talking about things like, for example, cell phones. I mean, people buy a cell phone. The cell the phones are very wasteful for the environment, but I think a lot of the key players like Apple do not get you know put in the limelight for saying you're destroying the environment. So that's why I get very defensive when it comes to if you're using an argument for some things but not others, then you might be a vested party, right? So that's where you know some of that um, lack of understanding of, well, you, if you're using against cryptocurrencies, why are we not using this against televisions? Why are we not using against you know, literally every everything else. Why is it such a specific thing about, you know, the, the implications? And then I think on base layer one for Bitcoin, especially since it moved to a lot of store value narratives, if you move to layer two with Lightning Network and things like that, it increases the transaction throughput. So per transaction, there's less energy usage and things like that. So I think it's almost disingenuous to say, look, it's using a ton of electricity when the reality is, some of the cleanest electricity is the cheapest. Um, and that's kind of where if you're arguing for or against it, you need to realize, are you arguing the merit logic behind it's bad for the environment? Or are you arguing that it being bad for the environment would potentially negate any benefit that it has to humankind, right? There's always a cause benefit. And I think that people are trying to skew the field so that they can argue on arguments that never were initially supposed to be the the target of those arguments, right? So if you can argue that cryptocurrencies are bad for the environment, you have people who traditionally would have been very strong proponents of cryptocurrencies for the social implications, but now are going to uh, fight them because they disagree with the economic, or sorry, the environmental impact portion, right? Yep, yep, yep. yeah, it's a, go ahead, Harvey. Uh, I wish basically say, I mean, the example of Apple is a perfect example of a, of, a, of a business model that's incredibly environmentally destructive. And the reason is, is because they make their devices so they can only be used with special software. If you want to get anything else that they haven't approved, then you have to get another device. And this is the problem I was referring to. So, for example, I mean, there was a very interesting case in 2014 where 
Apple was censoring Bitcoin, the censored Bitcoin from 2009 all the way to 2014. And a fellow on Reddit went and said, okay, if you destroy publicly your iPhone, uh, I'll give you a free Android device. And there were some very interesting videos, including one guy who literally took the thing to a shooting range and shot the uh, iPhone to smithereens with a high-powered rifle. But my point is, is that the, the lockdowns and the control over the device that a company like Apple does forces people to throw these devices out because they no longer beat their functionality, which can simply be done by changing the software. And so you're throwing out the hardware because of the control over the software. And this is what I was getting at. So with uh, uh, and same thing happened with Microsoft. If you buy a new computer, the license Windows for, say, $30 or something is hidden. But if you just put Windows on an existing computer, the same license will cost you $200. So you have these incentives to create e-waste, which are driven by the software industry. The movie industry isn't particularly bad. I mean, they, they, they've obsoleted television sets and players and just because of DRM, just because they Someone's broken the DRM. They can copy the movie. So now they throw out all these television sets and cables and so on. So you have a huge environmental disaster through e-waste driven by proprietary software, DRM, and intellectual property claims. And this is going to the wealthiest corporations. I mean, like Amazon. They, make, they made their billions that way. Uh, Motion Picture Association of America. Uh, companies like Microsoft. I mean, this kind of control over devices has led to this massive e-waste. You can't fix stuff. I mean, essentially, you can't even fix buying new appliances. You buy a new uh, refrigerator, and and the motherboard's proprietor is so expensive, so cheaper to buy, just to uh, throw it out and get a new one. If you had a forty-year-old uh, refrigerator, you could keep repairing it, and so you don't have the e-waste and the carbon footprint associated with it. So it's huge in that area. Yeah, and once again, I think it is important for people to realize random random X is unique in that uh, it it allows Monero to be CPU mined, in the, you know the most efficient way to mine Monero is essentially with the <laughs> CPU, and because of that, it's it's going to create less e waste because there's not going to be hardware that's specifically created only for the purposes of mining Monero. So when you're mining Monero, you can use use your phone. When you're not mining Monero, you can just know use your phone like you normally would and it's it's uh that that's that's a big deal and it applies to all these products too that that arctic is talking about right these things that uh basically lose value use over time could potentially be used to to mine monero right arctic like i mean well but, but you have to break the drm see here's the problem in the united states this is like a major criminal offense there's a lobbying for so it you in order to say take an iphone and repurpose it to mining monero you have to break the, the technological protection measures. And that is a law, is that's against the law in the United States, actually a serious felony. Uh, in other parts of the world, in some other countries, it's illegal to actually break technological protection measures with certain exemptions. So you can't repurpose devices. So if you have, for example, you could take the processors in an iPhone, for example, is no longer useful as an iPhone, and repurpose it to for mining cryptocurrency, absolutely. But you'd have to break the DRM that Apple put in there to repurpose that device. And in order to do that, you're breaking the law. And in fact, it's a serious felony in the United States. And that's the problem. And so you have this, the 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 industry, which is the uh, basically the copyright industry pushing this. So going back to Alice's point about uh, free software, one way to lower your carbon footprint is to simply say no to proprietary software, because then you, you've sidestepped this entire problem. I mean, I, I know I know how it sounds, it's extremely radical, but but that's the, that's the reality that, 
you can't repurpose devices. Now, yes, an ASIC mining and Bitcoin, because it's so specialized, is more of an e-waste problem than, say, a, a general purpose CPU. But if it's locked down with a technological protection measures or DRM and you can't repurpose it, then it's no good either. I mean, you can't mine one error, not because the thing is not capable, because if you're locked up and breaking that lock, it's illegal. Right, right, right. Uh, so, Crypto Bear, do you want to bring... Uh, yeah, I know that I missed part of the talk about the atomic swaps yes. and uh, the connection with Spotty. So now that's a little bit more stable. I, I don't know if you guys wanted to bring any of that up or uh, yeah, well, have you, a conversation you, on that. Yeah, give you the chance. I mean, we, we went over it with Elizabeth. But I don't know if there's anything you wanted to ask her or bring up, seeing that you were a big proponent of, of this trying to create uh, Ethereum to Monero atomic swaps. I'll, I'll just start it off with, I know a lot of the community is very... Um, apprehensive about transaction fees and things like that and i think ethereum gets a lot of flack for how high fees can be especially with uh, erc20s for example or it, it's it's not just a simple transaction you're interacting with a contract and it's the storage portion of storing something on the smart contract platform that tends to get very expensive right uh so in a lot of these contracts you're storing your address on there and then you're saying my address actually has 10 tokens and i'm sending 10 of these to this other address so you're interacting and saving a lot of information on there so i i think i'm very optimistic with as expensive as the initial swaps could be once we optimize a lot further it's going to be a lot cheaper and two, ethereum has a lot of liquidity i know everybody was excited about the bitcoin atomic swaps but the reality is Ethereum has become the go-to due to DeFi for liquidity provisioning and a lot of projects being built on top of Ethereum means if you can interact with those protocols, you're enabling a ton of money to want to interact with uh, Monero. And I think eventually this allows the establishment of a lot of new exchanges that people are already used to and people become incentivized to say, hey, I want to provide liquidity to an atomic swap for Monero. Even if they're not interested in Monero as a currency, they might be interested in some of the uh, tokens or rewards associated with providing liquidity to a swap. All good points. Elizabeth, do you have any response to that? Obviously, I assume you, you agree with those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I definitely agree. I think there is, um, yeah, like gas is definitely a barrier, but... Uh, I think we can overcome it and there's ways around it. Um, and yeah, like, uh, like Cryptoverse said, like, yeah, just like ETH has so many great projects on it. Like all the DeFi stuff's happening there. Like it'll just be really great to bridge like the best privacy coin and like the leading DeFi chain together. I think that'll be really awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Crypto Bear, any, any last, any questions you want to bring up to Elizabeth before we close it out? I was just going to say for everyone that there is a bounty up. Uh, I was actually very, uh, or there's the bounty up. So everybody make sure to check it out and all that stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I was just super surprised whenever I saw the atomic swap proposal floating or the, the GitHub repo, right? Um, I saw it pop up on my Twitter and from somebody sharing it. And I was like, what, what is this? Cause I had done some of that work on there and I definitely got stuck around some of the adapter signature stuff and everything. So seeing a proposal that, basically was usable and proof of concept without that and out of the blue i was like what this is uh crazy so yeah i'm super excited and uh super excited to see a, a working 
um, like, you know, live net. And I, I think that's really major for the community for sure. So seriously, big props for that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We'll post it one more time. You want to throw the link in there one more time, the bounty, uh, encourage people to contribute to that so we can move the project along even faster. Coffee guy, nine, nine, nine. You want to say hello? You want to say something? Howdy. Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? Hey, pretty good. You guys might remember me as Spacehead. Yes. But I ordered some gratuitous coffee and evolved a little bit. Ah. In, in a good way, I hope. You evolved in a, is it a, is it a positive evolve? That's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to pop in. And uh, about a month ago, you had asked where we could buy some Monero flags with Monero. And I have good news. Oh, Ooh. all right. Uh, we have a merch store called privatebydefault.xyz where we have some crypto merch you could pay for with crypto. Beautiful. Awesome. What, what's the website? Yeah, you want to In large part, thanks to the gratuitous coffee I've been pumping myself full of. <laughs> <laughs> what's the website again? Because I'll put it in the show notes. www.privatebydefault.xyz. Okay, cool. Awesome. I will. And you have the Monero flags on there? Uh, yes, I do. All right. I'm going to order one. I'm going oh, to God. order a Monero flag. I'm going to Sweet. run around, run around, run around New York City with it. Hey, be sure to check out the Monero national flags. I got two sent to Meta, uh, Mexico City recently, and they're mega high quality. Awesome. awesome. What, what else do you got on there? What are some other products? Well, are... you're going to have to go and explore a little bit. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right, man. All right. Thank you for anything else you want to you want to mention? Because I think we're going to close it out. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to pop in and say hi. Keep up the good work, you guys. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank, Thank you. you. And on. we will check out your website. I want to order yes. one of those Monero flags. Uh, everybody, <laughs> thank you today for the show. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for everything you're doing. You came out of nowhere. It's amazing. You're you're our Monero hero for the week. Uh, <laughs> Arctic Mine, as always. Thank you, man. Thank you for for the knowledge. Thank you, uh, Elias. Thanks, man. Coming up, ask I. You know, you sent that email. I said jump on Monerotopia, and you did. You did, which is awesome. So thanks for doing that. Um. <laughs> okay. And uh, um, there's right. others, Crypto Bear. Thank you. Yeah. You dropped off, and any yeah, everybody yeah. else that participated, greatly yeah. appreciate it. Thanks to everyone, that, yeah, that jumped on and who's in the chat and watching. And uh, yeah, um, make sure to like this episode. Oh yes, yes. Subscribe to our that. channel if you haven't. Let's get those numbers up. <laughs> and buy Monerotopia. And tickets. buy Monerotopia tickets, please do check out uh, yeah, Monerotopia.com. Um, we'll I guess be relaunching the new yeah, website we'll, we'll be updating enough. the website yeah. soon um and and with that happy weekend happy saturday and uh enjoy the rest of your weekend and we'll see you next week all right bye guys ciao ciao thank you for joining us on this week's episode we release new episodes every week you can find and subscribe to the show on itunes spotify stitcher youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts Go to monerotalk.live slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. 
It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.